1: Well, welcome to Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau. I'm Bart Gregory, along with Charlie Winfield, and we're the Farm Bureau studios here in downtown Starkville. Farm Bureau, go with the home team at Farm Bureau. Charlie, baseball season is back, and this will be the fifth year of the Out of Left Field podcast. It all started back in 2020, this time of year. And, uh, hey, first of all, thanks to our good friends at Farm Bureau. Farm Bureau, and then Country Pleasing Sausage, and Heartland Catfish. Those are our three original sponsors, and they're all three back. And we'll talk a little bit more about our sponsors during the show today, but you're number five, baseball season number five of the Out of Left Field podcast. Is that right? Yeah. Number five? Number five. So we have the 2020, which was the covid year. Then the next year we won the national championship. And then the last two years we've been trying to think of something positive to talk about. And I guess you would say, I don't know if you say we're making the pivot toward baseball right now. We talked about the pivot show on Sunday Coffee a couple weeks ago. We're still going to talk a little bit about basketball the rest of the way. But, uh, hey, baseball season's here.
0: So I got to tell you, just kind of starting off here, a few things. One, you're coming out of the box a little hot today. I mean, you've got, like, some extra caffeine in you. I don't know. Maybe you're just excited about baseball. I'm excited about baseball. That's one. Okay. This is my favorite sport.
1: I love all sports. Don't get me wrong. Okay. But baseball is my favorite. The second thing is, is you and I have taken a couple weeks off. A couple weeks ago, I was at A&M. You were back here in Starkville on a Sunday morning, and we had just gotten throttled by Alabama the night before. I had some radio equipment with me in College Station, but as you and I decided, there was nothing positive for either one of our futures for us to get on the radio that morning or the podcast that morning. This past week, we kind of took a break because we're leading into baseball. We're about to start three shows per week. Plus, first of all, I want to say congratulations. Your daughter got married this past weekend. It was a lovely, lovely ceremony. Congratulations of getting that out of the way.
0: Yeah, and so we're going to need a lot more sponsors you know I mean, <laughs> the Hill uh, for the Show. So that was the other thing I wanted to bring up, too. So I've I've been approached a little name confusion here. That sometimes we say we're Sunday Coffee. say, hey, man, I've been searching for your show, Sunday Coffee, and I can't find it. So I think probably going forward we have to be more specific. That is, Sunday Coffee is just a show within the – out of Left Field Podcast Framework.
1: Yeah, if you, if you go to, of course, if you're listening to this, you already have figured it out. But out of left field is the moniker that you have to go under and subscribe to it. Then, then you don't have to worry about searching for it later. Give us a review. Review us good. Give us a five-star review if you'd like. Charlie, I want to go back to the wedding. First yeah. and foremost, to talk about the wedding. First of all, everything was beautiful. Everything was lovely, and I just want to say that I was completely surprised. It lasted 34 minutes. I want to say congratulations. That definitely hit the end. I was fully prepared. You were ready for the full Catholic experience, weren't you? Well, I was about to say, I mean, growing up in, in – I grew up in a Baptist church. My wife was Episcopalian. We'd meet in the middle to go to the Methodist church. You grew up in the Catholic faith. I have been to one Catholic wedding before this past Saturday, and it lasted well over an hour. So I was mentally prepared to sit there for an hour and 15 minutes, and then I was going to have a bathroom break.
0: Yeah, you got the light version.
1: 34 minutes. It yeah, was outstanding. So. And then afterwards, I want to say also thank you for buying me the first ever drink you've ever bought me at the reception. Well, I think a lot of people
0: could probably say that <laughs> uh, because, whew. Boy, no, it was good and um, got it out of the way, and it worked out well because we, we picked a Saturday. We also picked a Saturday in the middle of basketball season. Thankfully, dogs were on the road. Did you know that the dogs were
1: going to be on the road by when you picked the
0: date? No. Well, no, we were
1: – everybody the coin- was
0: holding their breath there. But I would made the call that if it were a 1 o'clock game, I was going. So <laughs> I may be dressed up, but I'm going to the game. I'm not missing. And I tried to sell them on the idea that that would make them a lot more respected, like if the whole wedding party like went to the game. But we didn't get the chance. We also dodged the flu, which went through my house. All Ooh. four of us got the flu. And uh, the last of us uh, was getting IVs that morning. The morning of the wedding? Yeah, but we're we're back. It's well, hey, after hours. that reception, there
1: was probably a lot of folks getting the IVs after on Sunday morning, too. Well, there could be. Yeah. Hey, by the way, okay, so we talked about being in the Farm Bureau Studios, and this is baseball season. Starts this next weekend. And earlier today, Chris Lamonis announced his starting rotation on the mound. Nate Dome going to get the start on Friday. And then uh, Cal Steven. Cal Steven in the Saturday game. And then Gerangelo is going to go on the Sunday affair against Air Force. And, of course, we're going to come back on Friday, and we'll get kind of in-depth about the preview of this matchup, uh, Mississippi State and Air Force, this weekend. Of course, we've got a lot of baseball to come in the next few weeks. You get a heavy, heavy dose of me and Charlie. And then I think in the midweek we've got Austin P and then next weekend we've got Georgia Southern. And so,
0: I mean, if you're a baseball lover, you're about to get a heavy dose of baseball. So Georgia Southern will be coming into town. That will be interesting. That's a... Former Ron Polk school. You know, I went to the regional over there a couple years ago. It would have been in 22 when they were hosting Notre Dame in a regional. And I went over and still hanging in their stadium is a picture of a young Ron Polk and the baseball team he took (laughs) to the College Royal (laughs) Series at Georgia Southern.
1: Well, we, we could have talked to Coach Polk. I asked him today if he had uh, to give me his starting lineup, and he said he had missed a lot of the he had missed a lot of the scrimmages. He's been on a speaking tour, you know. He goes on these long speaking tours in January and February, so I don't think he's seen any of the scrimmages. I've seen a few of the scrimmages, and and Charlie, you and I have talked about this kind of at nauseum a couple weeks ago about I don't put just a whole ton of stock into scrimmages and scrimmage stats. Uh, because it's, I guess it's just the old athlete in you when you sit there and think, hey, if a guy's getting a bunch of hits and you worry about the pitching, if a pitching's pitching well, you worry about the guys at the plate. But uh, first of all, Nate Dome going to draw the start on Friday. Nate
0: Dome at times last year was dominant. Nate Dome, the guy who's got a good fastball, one of the things you hear talking to his teammates this year is that his secondary pitches are much improved. That, you know, last year was kind of fastball dominant, right? And they feel like he is really developed now. Change up, has a slider, and they really feel like Nate Dome is a guy who has a chance to be very good this year.
1: Well, Nate Dome last year, he gave up 72 hits, or excuse me, 42 hits in 42 innings, which tells you as hard as he throws in this league at this level, it doesn't matter if you throw 97. At times, people are going to catch up to you. And he struck out 40, 90, walked just 12. But the the hit per inning, one, one hit per inning, which is good. That's that's a good stat. It does show you that you do have to have a secondary pitch. So then on Saturday, the thing about Cal Steven, the transfer from Purdue, big right-hander, six four right-hander, 7-4 and four last year with the Boilermakers. Kind of interested to see Cal Steven and see what he offers.
0: Well, one thing he's done, he's thrown a lot of innings. He was the guy who was third team all Big Ten last year. He had three games that didn't go great for him, and two of those were the last two of the year. Other than that, kind of pitched well in the middle. He had a few rough outings early. In talking to the guys on the team, what you hear about, Cal Steven, is a, a guy who's just been around. He knows how to pitch. And a lot of good things being said about him.
1: And Durangelo sent in the game on Sunday. Low last year, 3-5, and 5, 8.1 earned run average. You know, he gave up some – Big games gave up some big runs late in the year, and so the the stats were not outstanding at all. And when you start looking at a three and five record at eight point one, teams only hit two thirty eight against him. And so if you're looking for a decent stat, that's it. Now he did walk some guys, you know, and so you know, and when he did put guys on base, he had a difficult time of getting out of it.
0: But um, so then the question becomes: Are you going to make him a right-handed pitcher? or are you going to keep going through the left-right thing? He is a much better pitcher right-handed. Completely different pitcher
1: from the right side. So I guess we'll come back and we'll talk more in depth about that rotation in the Friday show. And, of course, we're brought to you by our friends at Farm Bureau. Go with the home team at Farm Bureau. Agents all across the state of Mississippi with Farm Bureau. And also we're brought to you by our friends at Heartland Catfish. Heartland Heartland Catfish, producing the finest U.S. farm raised catfish over in the Mississippi Delta in Itabina. They've got the catfish fillets and frozen nuggets. You can find it at great restaurants around the southeast, and we'll feature some of those great restaurants around the state of Mississippi. And, of course, if you are a restaurant looking to serve the best catfish you can possibly want, contact our friends at Heartland Catfish over in the Mississippi Delta. And great to have Heartland Catfish back with us again this year. All right, Charlie, earlier today, you and I were both a part of a broadcaster's call with Paul Gillier, who is the head of SEC umpiring. And this was one of the great things that the league does do. They go with their broadcast partners, and they talk with all the radio broadcasters and TV broadcasters about rule changes or emphasis on new rules 2024, this is a cycle year where you have a non-rule change. We had some different rules in college baseball last year. You saw some pitch clocks. and But what they do in these years is the NCAA and the competition committee, along with umpires and the coaches, they get together for points of emphasis. And that's more focusing on rules that are already in place. And so that's what you got this year. You don't have any new rules. But you do have some points of emphasis.
0: Right. So the way it works in college baseball is you have rule changes every other year, points of emphasis, that they come back in the off year and maybe clean some things up a little bit. This was not in the order, but I think this has to be discussed because this, to me, will be the most significant issue that could be addressed. What are we doing in the strike zone? I got the sense that the evaluation of officials – of umpires will not be as critical if a close pitch is called a strike. Did you get that sense? Yeah,
1: I got that sense too. And and what's happened is programs around the country have track man. If you show up at our ballpark, there's like a flat panel – Right behind the plate, up high, hanging to under the overhang, and that's a TrackMan system, and it gives you all the analytical data that you could possibly want. It's where the strikes, where balls come across the plate, it's the exit velocity. It tells you RPMs, the number, you know, the the RPM of a curveball, and that's how you know about pitching depth, and so it gives you all these nerd stats that I absolutely love to look at stats. But in the past and last year, the umpires were somewhat graded on the TrackMan strike zone. And it's like Paul Gillier said today, if TrackMan was 100% accurate, and that's what the Major League Baseball uses, if if analytical data was 100% accurate, then the Major League Baseball would
0: already be using TrackMan for strike zone. Except I don't agree with that. Okay, I think that's a flawed point because there's an umpire's union, Well, and they're not just going to sit back and take it. I think we are, to some degree... Look, let's be honest. You could call balls and strikes right now and be more accurate with a computer than you are with what you have. Because it's one thing to say that it's not perfect. It's another to say which is better. Yeah. We played the entire fall baseball season with that computer calling balls and strikes. Again, though, I don't care. Except I thought when I watched baseball last year, the strike zone was too small. It was. I don't like watching guys walk around the bases. Well, the term that
1: umpires use at times is buffer zone. You know, that buffer zone, okay, how am I going to be graded? And I think from an umpiring standpoint, I think what the coaches have been told is these leagues around the country, we have standards, this is how we want it called, uh, but, you know, you do have somewhat of a, of a buffer zone where you're not going to be – if a ball's an inch off the plate and you call the a strike, you're not going to be sent down to the Division three baseball. But I do agree with you. So the, I think the umpire, I think, will loosen up a little bit with the strike zone.
0: You still got to hit it. Still yeah, got to hit it. That was part of the problem last year. We didn't get a whole lot in the buffer zone.
1: Well, you see these uh, exit velos. Guys are, you know, more in shape now. The swinging the bats that are, I don't. Mean, hey, we can talk about the ball being hot. That's another story for another day. But uh, when you tighten the zone and guys are up there gripping and ripping, because that's what they're doing, then uh, it makes it very hitter friendly. So it'll be interesting to see if it may kind of teeter it back
0: a little bit more to the pitching. All right, so let's go through these points of emphasis.
1: All right, the point let
0: you. Let's take them one by one.
1: Okay, the first thing is. The thing we saw last year was a 20-second pitch clock, which I thought turned out to be okay. There's 120 seconds between innings. Now, the thing about the pitch clock is just not just on the pitcher. It's also on the hitter as well. The hitter has to be in the box ready to go. And what that means by ready to go, you've got to have two, two feet in the box and then your head up. You, know, so if you say alert and ready to the pitcher. Alert and ready at 10 seconds. And so that's the it's first eight thing. eight
0: seconds in the major leagues.
1: Eight seconds in the major leagues is 10 in college baseball. Now, I say 120 in between innings because last year you used to put 100 seconds up between the innings. And that's when the pitcher came out to throw. This year it's 120 And that 120 includes that first 20 seconds for the first batter. You understand what I'm saying? The first pitch to the first batter of the inning. It's just all encompassing. Also, in that 100 seconds between the innings, used to you had five pitches in between innings if you're a a guy out there already throwing and then eight pitches for a new pitcher. You see that in high school baseball. Now it's like, okay, it's on a clock. If you can get if you can get nine pitches in or if you can get 12 pitches in, it doesn't matter. It's all based on a clock. So that's that's just something that's a little bit different that, that you may see. Charlie, the thing I took from it is one of the things that kind of cropped up last year in postseason is unsportsmanlike conduct and how the points of emphasis this year will be on unsportsmanlike conduct bat flipping, celebratory props. I mean, we've seen the shopping carts in the dugout. You've seen the fur coats. You've seen all this. The, the turnover chains. As long as they stay in the dugout
0: is okay. I think there are two things that come out to me. Keep it in the dugout and direct everything towards your own team. Right. It's the bat flip towards the opposing dugout more so than throwing it back at your own.
1: Well, we saw it last year at Kentucky. They bat flipped a guy. The guy threw a bat at our pitcher and we all stood around and looked at the sky, and he just jogged around the bases and touched all the bases, and we just asked for the ball back. I hope we have a different dog mentality. Now, I'm not advocating fighting because if you do come out of the dugout in a fight situation, you're going to get automatically ejected. A pitcher gets four games for a suspension. Any other player gets a one-game suspension if you get tossed out of a game. But hopefully, the days of... Walking the bat with you all the way down the first baseline when you touch the first base bag and then chunk it across the field, those days are probably over. If you throw a bat toward the opposing team dugout, those days are probably over. And, hey, if you want to see the excitement of the game, I understand your point of view. But the NCAA is saying
0: we're not going to throw bats. Well, I think, though, the big thing what they're saying is rein it in a little bit. I think that's the big thing, right? I, I I took from it, as long as you aren't jawing at the other team, I think the same thing goes for a pitcher, for example. Pitcher gets a strikeout, wants to yell at the batter, he's going to get a warning. Second time?
1: He's gone. Or, the hey, here's the thing. They're going to warn the teams one time. If a guy strikes out somebody with the bases loaded, and it's one thing to look in your dugout and, let's go. Everybody, when do we start that? Mm-hmm. Everybody said let's go. But – If you look at the other dugout and say, get your whatever back in the dugout, you're going to get a warning. And then if you have a relief pitcher who may not have even seen that warning comes in and he does the same thing, the second guy's the one that's going to get tossed, and he's going to get the four-game
0: suspension. Yes, the warning counts for everybody.
1: Right. So no bad flipping and no yelling at the other team when you should be celebrating with your team. And no props outside the dugout. (laughs) And if a prop comes out, it's the guy who brings the prop out. If you hit a home run and then Billy over in the dugout brings out the turnover chain, the guy who hit the home run is not going to get tossed. It's going to be Billy with the chain. So you better give that to the manager. Yeah, or somebody that's not going to play. So there's always a workaround. There is always a workaround. Some kind of walk-on. All right, what else you got? Next thing I saw, (laughs) (laughs) you and I hear the rumors every year sometimes we talk about it sometimes we don't last year or the year before last there was a walk off home run when tennessee played vanderbilt and the vanderbilt guys were talking about bat testing and they were you know asking for the bats and say hey that bat had a sticker on it on friday and today it doesn't have a sticker so they're going to test the bats before every game now instead of just the weekend series. Used to they test the bats on Thursday night before a three-game SEC series. Now they're going to test the bats before every game. It's a lot of testing. It's a lot of testing. They put a big sticker on it. All right, going back to the point, last year all conference games had a 10-run rule. That was a good thing at times. We were on uh, both sides of that at times. Non-conference games, you can have a 10-run rule, but it has to be agreed to by the visiting team before the game starts.
0: You all – and so let me say one thing about that, though. I took it to mean that the SEC team was basically already required to agree. Whereas last year you would say in a non-conference game the teams would get together. If they both agree, then you would have the 10-run rule. As I appreciated the discussion, we've agreed. Yeah, our decision it's basically is basically the visiting team's decision. Right,
1: and we hope the visiting team takes us up on that yeah, yeah. every single game. There were some things about uh, about reviews. Hey, here's one of the things I took from it. Last year, when you start talking about pitch clock, and what does that do to the game? It sped it up an average of 22 minutes a game last year. Now, I think that average was skewed a little bit because you did have the 10-run rule. But the pitch clock, the pace of play, the 10-run rule, all that attributed when you look at the overall season, games were shortened by an average of 22 minutes last year. And college baseball needed that.
0: It did. It did. We've got to find that medium. It felt better last year. It felt more like the game-length odd to be.
1: All right, what would you think would be the percentage of reviews that were overturned?
0: Well, see, I know the answer.
1: Oh, you did. Okay, so you were on the call. Yeah, you were on the call. All right, 78% were confirmed or upheld. 22% were overturned. All right, one of the things that you see in Major League Baseball, we saw it with the Astros a few years ago was cheating, the s- cheating, stealing of signs. One of the things in today's world, in college baseball, is if you start complaining about other teams cheating and stealing signs, now it's your fault.
0: Right, because there's a couple of ways. One, you can wire up your catcher. You wire your catcher one and way. You can even wire up your base
1: runners. You can wire up everybody. You know, it's almost like an Apple watch they're wearing. Is If it's a one-way device, I mean, you can be at the plate now as a hitter. And – you get a Text message says Bunt. Right. You and everybody on base. Hit and run. So the third base coach doesn't have to go through signs anymore. The coach in the dugout doesn't have to go through signs anymore. I mean you can look at the catcher can hear fastball inside. The pitcher can get that sent to his wrist watch that says fastball inside. So coaches are, don't have to go through what they've had to go through in the past. Hopefully that speeds up the game just a tad. So that's kind of what we
0: talked about it a little bit today. All in all, though, nothing significant. I didn't take it, except perhaps the sportsmanship angles. Yeah, the sportsmanship angles. Hey, let me tell you this. The pace of play
1: helped Major League Baseball out tremendously last year. I went to a couple Major League games. It was a completely different feel. I thought last year was a completely different feel. The game is, is sped up a little bit more. Now, for our outfield crowd, sometimes it's all about the party, and it's not about the game, and so it does shorten the party. Just a little bit. And, hey, if you're going to have a party in the outfield, you want to make sure you have some country-pleasing sausage to put on the grill. Country-pleasing, they've been with us from the start. You've got the jalapeno cheddar. you got the original. Of course, they've got the big butcher shop down in Florence on Highway 49. Country-pleasing sausage. You go to countrypleasing.com. We'll talk about some great Bulldog moments that happened in the past. Country-pleasing really likes to talk about those moments of the past that make Mississippi State baseball The special sport that it is. And so, once again, we welcome back our good friends at Country Pleasing. Hey, one of the things, Charlie, I looked at today, you know, you get these memories on Facebook, the Book of Face, and I very rarely look at Facebook. But nine years ago today was the first ever SEC Network Plus baseball broadcast. And so, this is year 10 for the SEC Network Plus. Which is so cool because I remember, you know, ten years ago, eight years ago, whatever. So many people say, "Man, how do you get the games?" And now my 92 year old grandmother watches every game. It's just amazing about the product and how the the game of baseball continues to grow. And man, I tell you what, I can't I can't wait for it. It's going to be awesome. Can't wait to get
0: back in the booth. Why do you say it's going to be awesome? Because we just had two very bad years. Because it can't be any worse. Okay. I love, hey. I mean, you were, I don't know what's up with you I'm glass half full no, today, man. you're like. It's baseball season, man. You ate too much king cake or something earlier today. Because here's, here, man, You got to slow down a little bit here. I was told earlier today when I had a meeting that you
1: and Charlie are a tremendous contrast on your show. Because you're always positive. Charlie's turning into curmudgeon.
0: No, I'm not being curmudgeon. I'm being minimally aware. Look, here's the bottom line. You look around. A lot has to change for this baseball team. I somewhat think that it will. But when you say it's going to be awesome, I I have to ask you, first, this weekend, is the weather going to be awesome? No. Saturday's going to be cold. Is the pitching going to be awesome? I hope so. Could be. No, all seriousness, I believe this is going to be a much better baseball team. How much better in terms of wins and losses, I don't know. I'm putting a lot of faith in a couple of things to make me think that this is going to be improved. The first is, when you talk to the pitchers, they really believe in Justin Parker. And I think you're going to see a much, much better pitching staff. The second thing I think you're going to see is better defense on the left side. You know, you tell pitchers all the time, hey, man, we don't have to have a strikeout, just get a ground ball. Well, I guess we used to not because we took so much pride in strikeouts. Now I think you're going to see a staff pitch more to contact. But it's a lot easier to believe in pitching to contact when guys can make plays. And all I've heard is just great reviews about Logan Kohler and his defense at third base. So I actually, I, love, I like the rotation. I feel good there. They're still, man, you have to look at that as nothing but the opening rotation. Oh, yeah. Because if you want to go, look, Carson Liggins started a lot of games. Colby Holcomb is capable of starting a game. And I still think he's going to be a, a real force this year.
1: How much does it change the opening weekend? You play a Tuesday, Wednesday after the first weekend. I think that changes a little bit. If you got just a Tuesday game, but having five games over a six-day period to start the season, it probably changes the way you go about the opening weekend a little bit. Not much because you thought, it's almost like this weekend is big uh, and bigger for you because it is a weekend series. But you do have to think about – You've got a five games over, six, over a six-day period.
0: Yeah, but you would have to think this weekend we're going to see all the big guns, right?
1: Yeah, I don't think we're holding Colby Holcomb till Tuesday night. Right. All right, let's switch gears. The thing about Saturday is you've got men's basketball and baseball going on the same day. And, hey, listen, if you're coming to Startville, it's been in this way for a long time, and there's a lot of people that show up that maybe forget about it or they say they didn't know. But if you come to a ball game, a baseball game on the day of a men's basketball, bro- a men's basketball game or a women's basketball game, the basketball parking takes precedence. Okay, so if you've got a men's basketball parking pass, you park where your men's basketball parking pass is. Now they do have ways to pay for an, you know, an individual game parking. But anyway, long story short, on Saturday, men's basketball at one o'clock. Baseball is at 4. We did get game times yesterday. 4 on Friday, 4 on Saturday, 1 o'clock on Sunday. But you got the doubleheader on Saturday. Remember, basketball parking takes precedence. So 1 o'clock on Saturday, and then 4 o'clock baseball. And so, man, I've had a lot of people asking about, you know, coming to the game for tickets. Men's basketball had a big win this past Saturday on the road in Columbia, Missouri. Well, they had a win. I don't know if you say it's a big win. It's a big win because you got to win over teams you're supposed to beat. And, Charlie, winning by 24 on the road at Missouri, now you've got an Arkansas team coming in here at 1 o'clock, men's basketball. This is one you got to have.
0: Oh, absolutely. Good win at Missouri. They're terrible. Man. But still got to beat them. Still got to beat them. And we did. And now you got to beat Arkansas. I really wish that we could have played Arkansas three weeks ago. There is not a bigger – gap between talent and results in our league right now than Arkansas.
1: You would say, yeah, Arkansas and then Kentucky's probably second, right? Yeah. And
0: so, I mean, that's what scares you about it, right? Yep. Because they could be
1: really good. And we still have both of those teams at home. Thank goodness we have them at home. They've got Ole Miss on the at home in the midweek next week. That's an 8 o'clock start on Wednesday night. So, you've got back-to-back home games for State, then on the road in Baton Rouge next weekend. And so, men's basketball kind of getting ready for that stretch run right now. And so still have a chance to play your way into something, 16-8 and eight overall, 5-6 and six in the league. But you got that chance for that doubleheader on Saturday, men's basketball at 1, and then baseball at 4. Before you come to the games, if you're trying to figure out if, hey, it is going to be cold Saturday for baseball. I think the highs of the high, eight, uh, high 40s with a 15-mile-an-hour wind out of the north, you better have a sweatshirt. And a great place to get that sweatshirt, of course, is our good friends at Maroon and Company in the Cotton Mill Marketplace, right by Chick Fil A. Go to maroonandco.com. You can go ahead and order; they'll get it to you pretty quick. You may have a little bit, you may have enough time to get that uh, sweatshirt in by Friday, before you make your way to start. Starkville. Well, go to maroonandco.com. Maroon and Company—they've got a great selection of Mississippi State gear and all other things associated with Mississippi State. And so, go to Maroon and Company. Type in the code NIL10. You can do it online or do it at the store. You'll get 10% off your purchase, and 5% of that purchase will come back to the Bulldog Initiative. And also our good friends at Howard Technology Solutions. Go to howardcomputers.com to see how this Mississippi company can help you with your technology. Laptops, desktop computers, home security systems. Howard Technology Solutions. It was all started by Billy Howard back in the 1960s, a three sport letterman at Mississippi State, and it's grown to over 4,000 employees and a tech leader in the country. So, our good friends at Howard Technology Solutions. All right, Charlie, before we get out of here, if you're coming to town this weekend, what you got going on on Startwell.org? Are you a disc golf guy? Never in my life. I've never played disc golf. And I've never played pickleball. Well, if you were, you could play in the Catalpa Creek Classic. The Catalpa Creek Classic this weekend. Yes. Do they have broadcasters? Um, they might. We need to take the equipment down there and broadcast disc golf. The well. next time. Maybe not the Catalpa Classic. But if they ever have the
0: the Tibby Creek Classic. But well, we got that coming up. So if you're in disc golf, go to Starble dot org and get the info there. And then the next weekend, the Magnolia Film Festival. Going to be going on too, so a lot going on in Starville here over the next few weeks. And, of
1: course, if you're coming to town, one of the things that I I learned this past Friday night, man, um, I went to a restaurant, did not have reservations, and I had to wait for a little bit, but go ahead and if you're coming to town Friday, Saturday night, go ahead and get those dinner reservations, get them set here at the local restaurants. Well, Starville's really turned into a culinary destination, so come on out and have your have your fun on Friday and get ready for a doubleheader on Saturday with men's basketball and baseball on Saturday, and then baseball on Sunday afternoon. All right, Charlie, anything else for the good of the cause? Then, oh, by the way, if you're coming to Startville to make those dinner reservations and try to figure out where to eat and where to go, where to shop, go to org. Startville, Mississippi's
0: college town. Yeah, I got a few things for you. First of all, we're supposed to play Friday at 4 o'clock. And if you look at the day, the temperature, the forecast, says 68. Yes. But roll over tonight, overcast with rain and showers, low of 36. Not exactly what I was playing for. Saturday, to have a high of 60, high of 61 on Sunday. Now, the problem is on Saturday, we're going to be playing at 4 o'clock. And by the time that sun goes down, we're going to be needing coffee in the heater. Well, they've changed it, man, because I'm telling you, earlier today, I thought it was like the high 40s. Well, now it's saying Saturday night it will get into the 40s. Huh. Chance of rain, 40%. So that will shake out a little bit more as we get closer. Um, yeah, so what's your take? Where do you think this baseball team is going to be?
1: I don't know because I said before baseball, before football season started, I think we could be a good football team and you know be two and three after five games and be a good football team. We were two and three and we were not a very good football team. I said after basketball we could be two and three after the first five games we'd be a good basketball team. We were two and three, and I think we, I think we're you know above average men's basketball team right now. If we start baseball two and three, if we start baseball two and three, then it will not be awesome. (laughs) It will not be. But okay, I guess I go to the SEC play. You look at our SEC, and this is not old Bart just making the excuses already before the season even starts. Here we go. LSU at home, on the road at Florida, on the road at AM, 3 teams in the top ten. Two are on the road. Starting with a bang in SEC play is going to be tough. And, hey, I go back to the old adage of what you've been saying all along. We may not know in the first three or four weeks if we're any good or not, but we'll dang sure know for not.
0: What do you want to see this weekend? A lot of strikes.
1: Well, of course, I like to see a lot of strikes. I want to see what kind of pitching mentality, and I hate to use the word pitching mentality because I think the word mentality is is overused, and I overuse it. But what I mean by that is what we throw and when we throw it. I hope we don't see. I don't think we will. I hope we don't see an eight-hole hitter at the plate or a nine-hole hitter at the plate, and you got a three-ball, two-strike count. I don't want to see a slider down. Does that make sense to you? No, it does. I want to see you come after the guy. I want you to throw the fastball. If he hits it, he hits it. I want to see how you start thinking about how this team mentally attacks the strikes on. To me, there's a big difference in nibbling at the corners with sliders or coming at somebody. And I think you're going to find out a lot about our, our pitching philosophy this weekend.
0: Well, and about our execution as well. I think we're going to see much better pitching this year. And I hope so. I go back to the past two years. I told somebody if we'd have just had bad pitching, we'd have been a tournament team.
1: And if we'd have just had bad left side of the infield, would have been a. And hey, I go back to. I mean, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not drawing up any kind of negativity at all because you're you're, you're not going to bring me down, Charlie. I'm telling you, I started glass half full, and I'm going fi- to finish glass half full. But another thing I want to see is baseball acumen. Throwing it to the right base, you get into rundowns you're not running to the advancing base, I want to see baseball IQ because at times we've had a lapse in the past couple years when it comes to, and I'm going to overuse it again, baseball IQ in playing baseball. And so there have been some little nuances where it, it looks like we've been kind of caught off guard. That had nothing to do with pitching. That had nothing to do with the way you hit or the way you field on the left side of the infield. I want to see cutoffs going to the right bag <laughs> and just see if we worked on that a little bit more.
0: Well, I think you're going to see it. I think this is going to be a much better baseball team, and I think we're going to see some, uh, some guys in the lineup this year. I'm telling you, I believe in these new guys. We've got a lot of good ones, and they've got a different, to use your word, mentality. We're also going to see, I'm telling you, I have sensed a real change in the mindset of a lot of these pitchers. They'd have more confidence they believe in their pitches. And that's half the thing. It's one thing to call a curveball. It's another to have the belief that you can land it. Pitching with conviction, as yeah. they say. But I think we're going to do it, and I think, think we're going to see a better team.
1: Cautious optimism. That's where I am right now. Cautious optimism. Hey, when you start thinking about optimism. No, I'm opti- not even
0: going to be cautious.
1: You're just going to be optimistic. going
0: to be optimistic. Good.
1: I'm going to remember this, and we'll write it down. Hey, Bulldog initiative-wise, seems like things are going in a positive direction.
0: Well, we are. We're getting ready, of course, because here about March 18, basketball portals open. Baseball follows soon after there. There's a transfer portal in April for football. And the big thing going on in the NIL world right now is that case taking place in the state of Tennessee, Tennessee and Virginia, suing the NCAA. Basically, there is a chance that we could wake up in a week in a world where collectives can do whatever they want to do. Imagine how that could change things. Mm. So we'll see. But, yeah, a lot of good things going on there. And so we'll be talking more about that coming up.
1: All right. Hey, appreciate you guys hanging out with us. It's a baseball season. Get your first midweek show right here on Out of Left Field. We'll be back for the Friday show as well to preview the weekend. The Air Force Falcons coming in here this weekend for the three-game series in baseball. And, of course, we've got men's basketball on Saturday at 1 o'clock. Baseball again on Sunday at uh, 1 and uh, we'll have Sunday coffee for you as well. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button. We'll be with you three shows per week from here on out through baseball season. So Charlie and I have taken our preseason breaks and got that out of the way, and we got the full-fledged baseball for you coming up the rest of the way. Appreciate you guys hanging out with us here on Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau.